You're listening to nothing important. We could be like, dude, we totally talked to like Dan Severin and shit. <laughs> Wait, let me pick that name up off the floor I just dropped. Hey. And who uh and who randomly emails me every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that is kind of cool, actually. <laughs> he's such a yeah, uh he's he's uh he's the most badass Freddie Mercury impersonator I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Does he put his opponents under pressure? <laughs> Please enjoy the show. That's great. <laughs> that gentlemen this is the nothing important podcast my name is brian and with me as always is john mccain's brain tumor dave dave how's it going extracted <laughs> see you know how timely that is is that apparently <laughs> it was announced that he had a brain tumor like literally like 45 minutes ago that's that's oh, how so it's not extracted a, no not not yet <laughs> not not yet and b9 bingo b9 <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and on the third mic, the perennial third mic, uh, John McCain's POW experience, Jeff. Jeff, how's it going? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's a very John McCain-centric episode. I, I, thought, I thought Mike Pence had the brain tumor. Well, no. that's just like all the time. No, Mike Pence just looks like Cotton Hill from King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's gonna go shoot some nazis or nazis but um anyway thank you for listening to us folks it's been a couple months uh please make sure that you check out it's all good men on itunes check out our discussion of the past three seasons of better call saul and interviews with the cast and other uh people involved with that show and starting july 30th jeff is season three of rick and morty and you can hear jeff and i Talk about it on our podcast, A Plumbus Among Us. It should be a lot of fun. Wubba-lub-dub. Yeah, you know what kind of aggravates me, Jeff, is that Dave Dave says he gave Rick and Morty a chance, but I don't think Dave's given Rick and Morty a chance. I can't take the voices, man. I what? can't tolerate the voices. Right? <laughs> it, it just grinds on my ears. I don't know. Can't do it. Can't do it. That I, is disgusting to me. I think all that's of an, the things you just said are disgusting to me. <laughs> I, I feel like that's an inconvenient excuse for Dave to be contrary and not watch Rick and Morty. Uh-huh. When have you ever known me to be contrary to the point where I would not, I would deny myself entertainment that you guys find entertaining all the time? <laughs> <laughs> all like what time is time. it now? Like right now? Mm. Mm. <laughs> like name. Name five things. <laughs> uh, episodes one through five of Rick and Morty. <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't have to be TV shows. Just name five things. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So uh, it, it's good to talk with you guys again because I feel like we haven't done this in like two months, which is absolutely crazy. But um, 
Life's kind of been crazy for all of us doing various things. Jeff, you started a new job. I bought a house and started a new job and was uh, relatively homeless there for two months. And Dave, <laughs> you were all over the place doing uh, studio stuff and TV work and such. So it's good to talk to you, Various audio-related endeavors. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're in a good place now, right? Because summer, it's actually now, I guess, kind of on the back half of summer, right? Like, summer is actually kind of almost... Almost the dog days. Yeah, yep. all dog. we got all we got left is August before uh, Labor Day, and then school starts again. Yep, absolutely. So it's a it's a good time for us to take a break and get back into it. So um, let me throw this idea by you guys. Right, there's Uber. Right, everybody uh-huh. likes Uber. Kicks the shit out of out of taxis, and uh, and then there's Lyft, which is uh-huh. like the ripoff Uber. Yeah. Okay. So, and then there's like a smaller companies like Sidecar, which okay, is, is that motorcycles. It, <laughs> no, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be awesome though. Like if they picked you up, like, like, uh, the, oh, you man, have to wear the leather helmet and the goggles though. Uh, yes. Yeah. With, and a flowing scarf. <laughs> you have to have a white, yes. a white, or, or yeah. you have to dress like Burt Ward Robin. <laughs> i i never understood why in the early days of motorcycles that they dress like a bombardier from world war one I. I never yeah it's like fantastic dan from uh, the simpsons did you yeah. call me spud <laughs> <laughs> um so my idea and i actually pitched this at my new job because they were <laughs> they were looking for uh people to come up with good ideas as like a brain building exercise so okay so when put on the spot being at my new job for approximately three hours uh i decided to display my brilliance and my pitch was uh a company called clown car where (laughs) the the entire the entire the entire fleet would be nothing bigger than a ford focus and there would be (laughs) there would be no less than 10 people in the car <laughs> as it goes around as it goes around the city. That sounds like excellent ride sharing is what that sounds like. <laughs> right? It's like the yeah. ultimate in ride sharing, right? Because the more they get their own lane. There's like the carpool lane and the clown car lane. <laughs> because the more people you have in the car, the more economical it is and the better it is for <laughs> the environment. So I figured if you can pack somewhere between ten and twenty people in the clown car, then you're probably being about as vir- environmentally friendly as you could be. Yeah, well, it's so. what I would think is, too, if that really took off, you could get city ordinances where the clown car could also drive in the bike lane. <laughs> because it's just as economical. Right, you could have... riding a bike. For, for the bicycles, it would, it would take over, like, the Divi share and the city share bikes, but for the bicycles, it would come in two forms... Either a unicycle or bicycle, and uh, tandem, tandem bicycle, tandem. The catch to the, the catch to it is is that you have to have at least three other people on your shoulders, right? As you okay. cruise through the city, and then what if you what if you had the bike with the huge wheel and the tiny wheel in the back? Oh, there's a lot of room. Yeah, yeah and then there's a lot of room to stack people on those things. That's true. And so, as I'm making this pitch to, to my new job, they tried to stump me, right? And they said, "Well, what would the branding for that be?" And I just simply said, "Well, you know, you know, Lyft has the pink mustache." I figured with clown car, 
it would either be a spinning bow tie or a clown nose that you would put on the front of your car. <laughs> Bam. Nice. Very nice. Right? I think <laughs> I think this is a supremely viable idea that could take off. <laughs> if it it's got like big, every it's- time every time they go to Google Maps though, it would send you on some kind of crazy curvature of roads like a two's <laughs> big adventure. It's gonna take you forty five minutes to get to your ten minute destination. But the ride is gonna be amazing. Right. <laughs> there yeah, there's your motto, like it's all about the ride. And mm-hmm. the the fair the I, I figure the fair you could have discounts for certain things right like the more hilarious the drop off and <laughs> that it would be like uh like the more like you could get a discount on your fare right like like if clown car went took you and you were working like at a convention center and you were working putting up booths at a convention not that funny but if clown car pulls up and fifteen people get out of a Ford Focus in front of like a Planned Parenthood. Hilarious. <laughs> All right. And that's my <laughs> I see where you're going. I see where you're going with this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it just so, needs to be mapped out, really. <laughs> that is that is my million dollar idea. <laughs> Hashtag trademark. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. <sighs> well, we do have some listener correspondence I want to go over. <laughs> L- lovely that really tickled my funny bone my friend <laughs> yeah what do uh what do what do the people out in the uh what's it called world say well we uh i'll just go over a few here at peps city from the nothing important twitter says uh hey guys how about an hour-long podcast on Jeff's OCD incident of him filming himself locking up his wife's store? Uh, but that wasn't you, Jeff. That was actually me. Yeah, I don't have a store. I mean, I I, I will break into a store, and I have before, but mm-hmm. it's, I don't actually own a store currently. You, you know what's fascinating? I, I corrected uh, Pep City. I'm like... Um, Dude, that was that was actually me. Do you really want me to talk about that? <laughs> he said, yeah. So... Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm usually a pretty like laid back kind of dude, right? Like a lot, like something crazy could happen in front of me and I'm just kind of like, all right, like <laughs> whatever, you know, like I'll just kind of push it off and brush it off. But for some reason when yeah. I, uh, my wife and I, we own a business in Chicago and it's the only time I think I feel like real actual anxiety is when she'll task me with something like, It'll be 1030 at night on her day off, but she'll need some sort of sample for some product for the next day's uh, for the next day's clients. So okay. I'll drive to the salon and I'll I'll go in and I'll grab whatever I need and then I'll leave and I'll lock the door. But I always feel compelled to go back and make sure that the door is locked like four and five times. Like I can't leave. Like it's it's something like tethering me to the front of the store to where I'll actually not feel comfortable unless I like film myself trying to jostle the door open after I had locked it. Sounds okay. to me like a manifestation of your uh, innermost dread of not opening the doors to success in your own life. <laughs> and there you go. Done. Next correspondence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. 
Uh, I can verify, having lived with Brian for uh, the better part of a decade, that yes, uh, mm-hmm. they they are very few and far between, but those neuroses do show up about making sure I didn't le- drunkenly leave the stove on, or making right. sure I didn't drunkenly leave the door unlocked, or making sure <laughs> I didn't drunkenly leave the TV on, or leave the gun loaded. You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> those are those are real neuroses that periodically do show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of got the same combi- uh, a combination from our It's All Good Man Twitter. Uh, Mad Cat 2.0, Lauren Brown, and SK Duncan uh, all kind of share the same sentiment that it's bullshit. Michael McKean did not get an Emmy nomination for his work on this season's Better Call Saul. Uh, yeah, that's a slam dunk. Right? Like... I, I don't even know. I, I know dick about shit when it comes to the form and art of acting. But even uh-huh. I would agree that if those awards are supposed to mean anything, and I firmly believe they they kind of don't really, <laughs> but right, yeah. if they're, if they're <laughs> yeah. supposed to symbolize anything, I would think that Michael McKean should definitely should have definitely at least got nominated for an Emmy. His, his, especially when Jonathan Banks did. Yeah, I mean nothing exactly. against Jonathan Banks, but like Michael McKean, there was such a huge <laughs> range. McKean acted his ass off around you. <laughs> he acted circles <laughs> around you, buddy. <laughs> and several and several ways too, you know? Like he 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 went from such highs and lows to difference within his own character. Like he didn't play just a crazy guy the entire time. He also went to incredibly somber and sad and you know, right. and then to happy and content and then back into like this crazy uh, he played every emotion, and I felt it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whereas Jonathan Banks, again, great actor, and I love him in the series completely. Jonathan yeah, I think Banks he still deserves seems, to be nominated. Jonathan Banks seems to me more like he acted like Jonathan Banks. <laughs> I got a feeling that that's not, but I think that's probably 100% acting. He's probably not like that. I understand. I understand. I'm not. Although yeah. his one episode I saw in Parks and Rec uh, he's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was also like that. I think he was on Community too, and he was exactly like that. Uh, he was also like that on an episode of MythBusters that I accidentally saw at about four o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to uh, call him one trick pony, but nay. <laughs> <laughs> From the Plumus Among Us Twitter, uh, they say, "Hey, Jeff and Brian." Uh, how about some back-to-back uh, Rick and Morty discussion before season three? That comes from Drew C on Twitter, and uh, we I th- I think we might be able to pull that off, Jeff. Yeah, so do I. Uh, actually, I sat down and watched some back-to-back episodes tonight. Uh, awesome with, with the girlfriend, and uh, in preparation of doing exactly that, John C or uh, whatever at John C, whatever you said. <laughs> uh, so. Look out you for know that. What, you know what my favorite part about Rick and Morty is, Jeff? What's that? The voices. I love the voices. I know. The way that they can just... You realize it's only like a handful of people doing those voices. And some mm-hmm. of them even multiple ta- multiple characters. But they're just so great and so in tune and so not annoying. I know, right? Like they're, they're, They totally actually make the show and do the complete opposite of ruining it for me. <laughs> if and- anything, that is why I watch the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could care less about the story overall. It's more it's more so uh, the voices that are in the show. And you know what the best part is, too, is when uh, is when uh, Justin Roiland repeats uh, Morty's or Rick's name 
while he's uh, recording dialogue for the characters. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's absolutely key. In fact, I, I I think that's it's so great that one they should be nominated for an Emmy, <laughs> even on Better Call Saul. Like <laughs> their voices, their voices on Rick and Morty are so great they should be nominated for an Emmy on Better Call Saul uh, before Michael McKean. And also, I'd like to point out that anybody that doesn't like the voices are a uh, a dickhead. Yeah, Dave, your thoughts. <laughs> You know, there's another TV show that I used to watch growing up called The Simpsons where the uh, the voice actors would do many, many numerous characters and uh, they didn't suck at it. Hmm. Yeah, I know. It's just like Rick and Morty. Right, <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's exactly. crazy how like that keeps turning itself around uh, generation mm-hmm. after generation. You know, right, you know, there's very few pieces of art mm-hmm. that show up with just a handful of people involved. And, right. you know, th- this is this must be that new one. That's where you could tell, like the. That's where you can definitely see the influence of the Simpsons uh, on primetime animation. It especially shines in Rick and Mo- uh, shines in Rick and Morty, where the voice acting does not suck and is not uh, obnoxious, just like in the Simpsons. So that is an excellent point, Dave. I am so glad that you you brought that up because I, I didn't think I didn't think about that myself, but I'm glad that you've really embraced Rick and Morty. Yeah, no, that's actually really. It's, it warms my heart, and I'm sure it warms Brian's heart, too, mm-hmm, that, that you said that for a, a show that we actually do uh, very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. And for the few thousand people that have downloaded um, our Rick and Morty podcast, A Plumbus Among Us, even though our uh, admittedly sporadic release <laughs> release track record so far. Yes, to those uh, fans uh, or potential fans, we're sorry we suck. <laughs> but that's okay, because it starts... Uh, july 30th and and i think what we'll do is like everybody else we're not able to get uh supposedly they're not going to release release advanced episodes like we get with the better call saw or at least not to us they're not <laughs> i'm under, right yeah i'm under the impression that they're not doing it at all but i'm sure like big media empires like ign and such like that <laughs> they're probably gonna get i'm sure that the adult swim podcasts get mm-hmm. the advanced i'm pretty sure that show i'm pretty sure that show is actually produced live Rick and Morty, a lot of it's recorded on the spot. It's like improv, right, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, if you've ever actually seen, David, uh, any of the behind-the-scenes thing, they, I mean, a lot of it is improv. They go back in and, and animate to the, the oh, improvisation yeah. that happens. And if saying. you watched a, uh, if you watched the recent live uh, Rick and Morty, I don't know, show or whatever that uh, Dan and Justin did out in California, they actually did have an animator who was there drawing the scenes as they would describe them and talk through them. That's what I'm saying. The show's produced live. You see, you can't have an advanced screen of a live show. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But it made me happy today. I was driving around downtown Chicago uh, at work. I, I turned some corner, and there was just a giant mural of Rick's face. And it, it made me... Uh, I was like, yeah, you know, like nice. the hype is the hype is starting to pick up, which which is good to see because that show. Yeah, you I'm know, sure what, you know will, what the problem, you know what that problem with that mural is though, the voice sucks. <laughs> well, because you well, can't hear a mural, that's why. Right, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I'm sure, I'm sure if they actually somehow put voice to that mural, uh, you would probably love it just as much as you love the voice tracks in the actual TV show itself. So, so I yes, probably I, would. So I that agree. I agree with Dave. Statement. I agree with Dave. It sucks that they weren't 
somehow including audio in the billboard ad. That's that's a good right. point, Dave. Otherwise, we'd get back to one of those things where we'll have a bomb scare like they did for a. Uh, uh, Hunger Force. For Aquatine Hunger Force. Yeah. <laughs> the best backfire in marketing history. But the thing is, I don't even think that was really a backfire because, yeah, that caused like a shitstorm and it was not really borderline inappropriate. It was just kind of like, man, I wouldn't say it was inappropriate. It was just like ill timed, I guess. Like, yeah, I say it's a better, yeah. I say better. It, maybe not inappropriate, but it was like tone deaf, right? It was a little tone deaf. But. The, they the were playing talk. to their audience without taking into consideration, like the rest of the people who might see that. Right, yeah. tone deaf like the voice actors on Rick and Morty. Well, they're not singers, Dave. They're voice actors, so yeah, I guess if they sang some songs, I guess they yeah, could be the, considered tone deaf. But when there's they're not doing been the a actual- musical, there's not been a musical episode of Rick and Morty yet. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we really don't have t- uh, anywhere to say that, and you know, anything that actually, to go on. That actually makes me like it more. That that they no, may I'm potentially not, do a uh, musical episode. I totally no. agree. I think that would be fascinating. You're right, <laughs> yeah. Dave. Uh, Sarah Chalk, who is uh, the voice of Beth, she already did mm-hmm. uh, a musical episode and was very good in it with Scrubs. And I believe season seven, they did mm-hmm. that. So uh, you know, just give it, it. It you know they're supposed to go for at least ten more seasons, a hundred years. <laughs> so I. I love the fact that Dave has seen so little of Rick and Morty, but he's so excited about it that he can't stop talking about how great it is. That's that's wonderful, Dave. It's, it's good because thank you for bringing it up. Anything show, I can do to help build the hype, guys. <laughs> the, the, the show the show absolutely deserves it. <laughs> I wish everybody could see the smile you just gave me. <laughs> so. <sighs> I'm sitting here in my basement and uh, because I kind of work from home now, I have like this weird hybrid job where I have to be in the field a certain percentage, but I can work from home or like today I worked from a Starbucks or I'll get my, my trademark unsweet tea from McDonald's and hang out at a McDonald's and use the, uh, the Wi-Fi there. And we're, we're in this new house now and where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm on the bottom floor. I don't really know if it's a basement. Dave, how would you describe it? You've been to my house. Is it is it a basement? It's a garden view. They call it a garden view. Yeah. Is, it, is it, your house a bi-level? Is, what they would call? It is a like, tri-level, you would call it. Tri-level, okay. yeah. So like where I'm at now. Oh, no. You f- wouldn't call it a tri-level. Because a tri-level like, is the one I grew up in where you can like, it's not necessarily floors. It's three levels, but they overlap. Because mm-hmm. your levels oh, don't I overlap, okay. I would call it. But your basement is like a garden view. Because when you have a window, I've been told, like a garden view apartment, mm-hmm. there's like windows at ground level, so you right. can still see outside. So it's like a choose your own adventure once you walk into the foyer. Yes, but you can either go up two flights or down one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like on the third floor, there's two bathrooms and and three bedrooms. Middle and floor the and, and the masturbatorium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a balcony up there. Like, what, I mean, <laughs> what else are you supposed to do? <laughs> and so, sunroof or so, skylight. So downstairs is kind of like my and the kids' domain, right? Because my wife doesn't want us to mess up the other floors. And of course, I have my I now have my hundred inch TV on the wall. And from time to time, about you know. Four or five times a week at my new job, I have to do like a video conference. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like a video meeting. Uh, so starting tomorrow, I have decided that I'm going to use the 100-inch the TV as a backdrop. And I'm going to start putting, like, funny scenes on the background behind me like a green screen. <laughs> like, so you're going to Pee Wee's Playhouse it. Right. Yeah. See, the best thing is, is like my, my, I'm not just another person that works there. My job is actually fairly, fairly important. And I actually have like real <laughs> responsibility and decision-making power. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be awesome when I show up tomorrow and it, like, there's like an underwater scene with like a scuba diver swimming around my head. One should be. If you could make the background look like your house, like it's actually part of the wall, and then you just walking behind yourself like you're lost. <laughs> <laughs> See who's paying attention. Yes. I was, was going to say, if you have a desert backdrop, but you just show up for whatever reason, and you have a, a Southwest vest on and a cowboy hat yes. a, and a badge on Revolvers your Revolvers on your hip. Yeah. like, And you're just sitting there like it's a normal meeting. Tumbleweed like in the background and such. Full-fledged costumes would be amazing. <laughs> like like yes. a, a moonscape, and I just like slowly bound into the scene and like pull off. With a fishbowl on your head. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then it was, all, yeah. All you've done is wrap yourself in tinfoil. <laughs> and then put a fishbowl on your, your head somehow. And mm. just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was discussing... When I was discussing this idea with my wife last night, <laughs> yeah, of course, she thought she thought this was the dumbest idea ever, uh, yes. and I, I think I figured out why. And it's because I don't want to go because too she's hard. unsupportive. <laughs> no, she's unsupportive. I even though she said that was an abs- that's an absolutely uh, stupid idea to do at your new job. I think what she was really saying is that I should gaslight people into it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of just jumping off the deep end and going for like a background uh, underwater or outer space or something crazy, I should just start off like. Like uh, Jeff said, or uh, Dave said, a background, you know, it looks like the wall. And then the next week, like, add a window. <laughs> and then and then the week after that is where it'll start getting really weird. Like, I'll, it'll be the window, but it'll be me looking in the window trying to figure out what's going on. Right. And then it just keep building it from there. <laughs> so it's this, and this big, uh, ridiculous scene. So every week there's just something added to the backdrop. I think if you don't do that, you're never going to be president of that company. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's actually in my contract somewhere that I get to be president if I do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'd Have be you fools, ever seen not- When a Stranger Calls Back? Uh, be- no. <laughs> it's the one where the guy paints himself up like the wall and then hides out in the in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I say, but um, I was thinking, like on my yearly so Brian review, should totally do that. <laughs> do what? Wait, say that again. Paint yourself like the wall, or like even if it has a window in the background, but you're sitting uh-huh. there. Paint yourself so. up like it, and then you step forward, so it's like you're you just appear. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> like, like, well, hello. <laughs> yeah. It's actually they do it in the movie. It's creepy as fuck. Thank you for inviting me to today's revenue meeting. <laughs> Let us go over the general ledger for the Chicago area. 
Oh, I think it'd be you great have a conversation go... with yourself. Like you, you appear next to yourself. And you're like, "Hey, Brian. Well, Brian, what's on the agenda for the meeting today?" Or you could even do, <laughs> or you could do. Um, I could even throw it over, right? Like a newscast, like, <laughs> <laughs> and and have a little window appear on the background and be like, um, uh, "Going through the expense report, it seems that we're spending an um, uh, an <laughs> an absolute ridiculous amount on uh, office supplies." Uh, here's Brian with the full report. And then, and then I appear Brian? in like a little window. Like, yes. thanks, Brian. As you can see, the, the, the price of the paper has gone up as the levels have gone. And like, do a for, uh, like serious report, and I'll just keep throwing it back and forth to myself. I do have breaking news, though. My wife just informed me that she procured tickets to Matchbox 20 and Counting Crows. Ooh, where at? Right? Where's it at, Chris? Twitter, Sona, First Midwest Bank, at Midwest Bank Amphitheater, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, maybe, Joe? <laughs> Hollywood Casino, the Hollywood First Casino Midwest Amphitheater, Bank, Twitter <laughs> World Bank, <laughs> Juliet, Hollywood? Yes. Yes. Very nice. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I know I- everybody out there is jealous. Rob Thomas. Uh, yeah. Probably one of the greatest musicians of ours or any generation. Hey Brian, why can't I hear you through the phone? Debatably, yes. Debatably, he's at yes. least in the he's at least in the top three. The top three people who collaborated with uh, uh, Santana in the early two thousands. Uh, at least mm-hmm. I don't know that whole album's pretty kick ass. Did I say Santana? I am. Yeah, Santana, the- not, not Santana, like the guy we know named Santana. Off air, off air, we were discussing a, a, I would say, acquaintance from Jeff and I's collective past. Dave, you probably met him, but uh, he's a... I think maybe in passing. mm Mm-hmm. How would you, how would you describe him? He's, he's, he's very, he's, he's a shorter Filipino guy, correct? No, he was, first of all, he's Loasian. He's from Laos. Or Loasian. Okay, so he's Loasian. A a shorter... Loasian guy. I thought the term was lousy. Lousy. I think that's racist. I'm not even sure. I I don't know. So uh, the funny thing about him is even though his diminutive stature, he was not shy about being naked. And for some reason, he decided one day out of the blue just to drop his pants in the middle of the hallway of the house that we lived at. And he's like, dude, check out my boner. It's not that small, is it? <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I remember, you know, like, obviously now I see this guy's dick, you know, and I'm like. Hard, uh, yes, uh, erect penis. Yes. Yeah. Is, yeah. And I'm, I just go, I'm stunned, right? So I'm just like, looks good, man. <laughs> and and uh, that's the time where I complimented another man's wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the compliments to him, though. I mean, he mm-hmm. was a pretty jack dude too for being as tiny as he was. I mm-hmm. mean, he was, yeah. I mean, it was. Also, uh, look, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying. Whatever. I mean, yo, he looked good. What can I say? Yeah, he looked good. I mean, he, he was ripped. His uh, wiener was erect, you know, and he, he had these uh, fantastic pouty lips and and wispy mustache, you know. I, you know. I, I'm, I'm just saying that, as, you know, as a hetero male, as a hetero male, you know, I, I probably should have stuck my tongue down his throat. 
(laughs) As anyone would. Do you want to do a uh, do you want to do a fake outrage of the week? Uh, no. <laughs> Here, Dave. It can be real quick. Ready? Okay. And now the fake uh, Dave's fake outrage of the week. It's not Dave's. It's just the. Oh, it's just the. And now the fake eight the fake outrage of the week. Actually, don't do we have. Out- don't we have a sound clip made for that? Didn't we have? Yeah, that's why I want to yes, do, do it because we, we paid for the fucking voiceover. And we never used it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, let's rephrase that, Dave. I paid for the fucking voiceover. <laughs> uh, when it comes to this podcast, your money is our money. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> it's just like my direct TV now uh, login is Dave's direct TV now login. <laughs> nope. I went and got the free trial and I'm going to cancel it because that app does not work well with the my Fire TV. <laughs> So, Jeff or Dave, uh, Jeff, Dave texted me last night and he's like, dude, what's your direct TV now login? I'm like, why? He's like, well, what is it? I'm like, dude, using it. <laughs> he's he's basically trying to mooch <laughs> direct TV now off of me so he can watch a Cubs game. Okay. Uh, for, for one, you tell that story way. It makes me sound way worse than it actually happened. And uh, so, <laughs> I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch one Cubs game. <laughs> but like why like th- they play 300 games a year because there's yeah, exactly maybe 400 because maybe they're 400 so- if they're in the playoffs because they're 90 something games in and this was the first time i got to watch an entire game <laughs> so yeah like i watch more bears games than i watch cubs games <laughs> all right <laughs> and now the fake outrage of the week what is the fake outrage of the week I don't know, probably something Donald Trump did. This was the fake outrage of the week. Balls. 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 Hello. Balls. 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 That's how I was testing my mic. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because we were just talking about LeVar Ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, fun. So, you know, it's, it's funny that I was testing my mic just by randomly saying balls because, uh, you know, I've talked before, like, how I always, like, I'm always thinking about something and sometimes it'll get the best of me and I'll just say stuff out loud, you know? Uh-huh. And for, for some reason, uh, yesterday, as I was taking out the garbage uh, of our new house, I thought it'd be a kid somehow got a football and a basketball in the middle of the road. And I thought it'd be funny to yell balls <laughs> because one it's kind of it's immature thing to yell, but also I'm doing the guy's dad a solid by saying balls <laughs> you know, like in the street. Now I was just thinking this and had no intention of doing it, but for some reason I did it anyway. <laughs> I turn around and my wife is just standing there looking at me. And she goes, "Did you just open up the front door to randomly yell balls outside?" <laughs> that would be and, a perfectly legitimate thing to do, though. Mm-hmm. Given, so given I, the I doubled, situation, yeah, correct. Right. I doubled down on it, and I said yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so she scolded me, and she just goes, "Ah, 
don't open the door to yell balls, Brian, and walked upstairs. <laughs> and in 10 years of being together with the woman, that's the greatest way she's ever reprimanded. <laughs> well, that's awfully nice. I'm kind of in this interesting space. Um, my job takes me all around Chicago, and I have to be in and out of some of the various towers and residential condos and such all day. And the one that I'm at right now, uh, the third floor is like a gym and general meeting space for the folks who actually live in this building. Uh-huh. Okay. And I see that they have a conference room, so I kind of just appropriated it, and that's where I'm actually speaking out of right now is this conference room on the third floor. What makes it great is that it's all glass, right? So I'm like in a big glass box. And what makes it even better is that one of the glass walls is shared with the gym while there's about four or five people working out right now, staring at me, talking on the microphone. In fact, I'm waving to them. (laughs) And uh, I'm just thinking like going through their heads, they're probably wondering why I'm staring at them and talking like kind of intensely into a microphone. It's color. Like col- a- it's color commentary for their, uh, <laughs> for their workouts. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, gonna you're also secretly like- videotaping them. Uh, if you're going to talk to the sports <laughs> science guy, what else would you do? Exactly. <laughs> it's so great because, um, that's, that's a, along the lines of what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, cause some people just work out, and I know for a fact there's some people who kind of relive the glory days of, of high school athletics and such. Yeah. And so it, it, and it comes through when they work out. So I'm, I'm imagining at least two of these guys are probably reliving their glory days while working out, and then that's probably exactly what they thought. Like, oh, man, what if this is just like high school and this is the color commentary guy? I got to lift so hard. <laughs> You're not a local radio DJ. I'm not a local anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's who does the color commentary. They just like grab like DJ A from the local station. Like, hey, you want to call the Cole City game this week? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I always love local sports radio because um, it's much like podcasters. It's just a bunch of dorks who don't do it professionally. (laughs) It's just guys out there. So also much like podcasting, there's not too much creativity. So, you know, you watch like, an NFL game on NBC or whatever, and they have like all these colorful expressions and terms that they use and instant access to, you know, statistics and all this stuff going they got, on. And they have the guys stories. in the truck, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, and they have a, the guys in the truck. What I love about local sports commentary is it's, it's always somebody just, excitedly reiterating the most obvious thing that's happening at any, at any given moment. (laughs) Well, instead of the guy in the truck, they have like the intern on the laptop and like (laughs) the only stat they can get is like his batting average for the year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Local sports commentary. It's like, hi, this is John up on the booth. That play was miraculous. Let's go down to the field. But instead of cutting over, it, the other guy would have to describe that guy putting his microphone down and walking down the bleachers <laughs> across the track and into the field. And then it would be about four minutes before they make the trip back. <laughs> and then he would just have to give a brief explanation of what he and the coach talked about. He's like, Tom, that was a miraculous play. What did the coach have to say about it? And the guy's like all out of breath. And he's just like, oh, uh, they're glad they made that catch. <laughs> <Chat>. <laughs> yeah. That was a big moment because it put more points on the board. 
Yeah. <laughs> sport points. So speaking of sports, we are talking today with John Brinkus from ESPN Sports Science and the Brink of Midnight podcast. And uh, admittedly, this is going to be hilarious for Jeff and I because we we don't how many how many hours or minutes of ESPN, Jeff, do you think you've watched in the past, say, five years? Uh, five years, I can tell you almost exactly, and that would be zero because I don't even have ESPN <laughs> uh, on Sling or anything like that. So I think I think I've maybe watched it, um, maybe maybe two or three moments because. You know, like I always see like a cool highlight, but then it, it's some guy yelling in my face as if it was like a news channel. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mind sports highlights. Like I I could watch Sports Center. I would watch ESPN all day if it was Sports Center all day, or a show like Sports Science. I need to like get get into that because I I've been watching some Sports Science since we set up this interview, and I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. And in, in, in a way, it's kind of taking like the MythBusters idea of using you know, applying science to like the practical right. thing and. Sure. Uh, so that's interesting. But every time I turn on ESPN, it's always two people debating like really intensely how some basketball player should wear his shoes or some comment that like an MMA fighter right. made. Well, the, so and, uh, it, interesting side note, as far as sports science goes, uh, according to Wikipedia, ESPN picked them up for the third season. They used to be on like FX1 or, or F, FS1 or something. And uh, mm-hmm. after they picked them up for a third season, they never aired it as a season. They just show little vignettes in between, like, commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not actually yeah. broadcasting and- it as its own show because they're so infatuated with two dumbasses yelling opposite opinions at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually awesome because we were talking about Lonzo Ball or Alonzo Ball or what's his name? Some guy that's supposed to be super good. Like Lonzo, I think, is about to go pro and then his dad, LeVar, is the douchebag. Like, I'm not going to hate the player. I don't think he's really saying anything, but his dad's a fucking blowhard. Talk about right. living through your kids, man. so i I saw the sports science on him they were going through like the trajectories and like the difference in speed from uh his form to uh you know a person in the in the leagues how he shoots how he shoots a basketball like i do because i don't have the strength to shoot one properly yeah (laughs) just once in the nba i want to see somebody nail a granny shot uh the old school players would shoot free throws like granny shots. Like I think the all-time greatest free throw shooter shot granny style. Really? That would be amazing if that happened in today's in today's NBA. Yeah, it's great cuz you see like this freaking 7 foot 1 dude and he's just, you know, throwing it between his legs with like the perfect form and the thumbs point to the hoop afterwards and it's like mm. <laughs> it's, it's like Tom Haverford <laughs> bowling. I'd like to think that if I, <laughs> I'd like to think that if I was an NBA player, I would I would specifically like practice the granny shot. Well, you to can't make do it, it like my thing. You can't do it in a game because you're gonna get blocked by everybody. But on a on a, on a foul, well, on a free throw is the right, only time you could do it. Yeah. No, if you yeah. have a pretty sweet breakaway and you're just running down the lane by <laughs> you yourself, pull up for you could granny. totally just, yep, you just kind of stop two plants and then the granny shot, yeah. It's like you throw an alley-oop to LeBron, and he just comes down with it and throws a granny shot layup. Yep, there you go. I don't need to dunk. I already showed you I could dunk, which honestly is more impressive because why are people so infatuated with a guy that's six foot seven dunking a basketball that's 10 feet off the ground? You can almost right. do it on his he flat can- feet. 
I always thought that um I always thought that somebody like that why why even have like a defense like ev- every play for me would be like hey dude just run under the basket and the guy from out of bounds is just going to launch the ball at you you catch it way above everybody's head and then just drop it in the basket because the other guy can jump just as high you have to move but okay it's like basketball's like jazz you watch it for the shots that aren't made <laughs> because every <laughs> shot is is made. Well, yeah, the scores are like one twenty to one seventeen sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and there are so many. Just like yeah, they score all the time. So it's like it's it's all about like the one time the defense stops them from scoring. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that that's uh, that's my other uh, one of my many other <laughs> issues with basketball is it doesn't seem like much of a sport because it seems like they always score. Yeah. Well, I don't like it because one person can really affect the game more than most sports. Like LeBron and one four, Le- LeBron and four Daves from nothing important could probably win a championship. <laughs> well, I don't know about a championship, but you could at least make the playoffs. <laughs> at least make the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he kind of did that against Golden State last year. He did win the championship with like four scrubs in himself against the greatest team Although of all that- time. That would be an amazing sports science episode, though. Is uh, Dave from Nothing Important in the NBA? <laughs> Six, Four days. That would be a lot of science. Involved, Six too. foot, three hundred pound white guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> plus like LeBron they- James. Versus plus a six like a foot college yeah. basketball. Plus team. a six foot nine, two hundred sixty pound black guy. Yes. yes. <laughs> Adds up to one playoff run that doesn't last more than four games. Like I just like to see like the graphics and uh, velocity calculations and such that they have for your your amazing five inch vertical leap. <laughs> let's say, let's yeah. not forget, I can't jump, I can't shoot, and my dribbling is mediocre at best. <laughs> I can they pass. Have, uh, I can pass. <laughs> <laughs> like the only the only real metric that they have, <laughs> the only real metric that they have is your average wait time for pizza delivery. <laughs> <laughs> They how had many, to have a special column on the card on how, his uh, basketball card, for right? Him. Yeah. How many? How many fast food? <laughs> how many fast food bags are in the the floorboard of my passenger seat? <laughs> and they got it. And they have an action. They have an action shot that always cuts into slow motion just after it starts. For you, it'd be rolling down the window as you're driving, and then the, the breeze just pull, pulls the fast food debris out of the vehicle and into the parking lot. <laughs> and then, I, and then I turn my head like I just got caught in the middle of something. Like, oh, <laughs> looking at the camera. <laughs> Uh, that's how I work out. Is I gotta chase my fast food wrappers all over the parking lot. <laughs> it's like Reggie White chasing chickens around. I chase fast food around. Mm-hmm. So okay, so uh, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll leave it there because that was pretty funny. That's a great uh, segue. As this. soon as <laughs> as soon as we get John, I will ask him how four four fat podcasters and LeBron James would do against uh, your average NBA team. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! You should or, totally. Or- or mediocre double A college basketball team. All right, so John John Branca should be calling any moment now. <laughs> On the someone important hotline. 
line is John Brankus on the horn. Hey, John, welcome to the, uh, Nothing Important. Hey, John. Hey, John. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, of course. Uh, John is, uh, uh, I guess, the creator and host of uh, uh, Sports Science on ESPN, and he is also the host of Brink of Midnight. Yeah, the Brink of Midnight podcast. The Brink of Midnight podcast. And the Brink of Midnight, you know, it's a a moment when uh, a life chapter ends and another begins. And uh, we are very excited to have you on our show, probably a significantly less successful podcast. So thank you for coming. (laughs) Not probably, Brian. Not probably. (laughs) (laughs) Full, Full... Full disclosure: This will do nothing for your career. I can promise you that. <laughs> right. I'll try. To, I'll try to keep it between the lines so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> well, uh, John, thank you for coming on the show. Before you came on, we were actually chatting about sports science and uh, how we would actually measure ourselves as if uh, our athletic selves were <laughs> in sports <laughs> science. And the the uh, I guess where we could start is. Um, Sports science started off as fight science. You're a big MMA fan? Yeah, actually, um, we actually originally started um, with a show called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts, that was on the Discovery Channel. It was sort of the fight science light. We looked at um, all the different types of styles of martial arts um, and and did dive into the biomechanics. But National Geographic came along and loved XMA so much that we said, hey, make us that but science it up. So fight science was then born. And we, you know, we brought in the world's greatest martial artist to punch crap, crap out of the cross chest dummy to see which style generated the most amount of force. Fox then mm-hmm. National Geographic and Fox Sports, and they aired fight, fight science on both. And it was so successful. He said, what else do you have? He said, well, we have this thing called sports science that takes the fight science approach and applies it to all sports. Um, so that was really the origin story. Wonderful. Uh, you know, we've had uh, MMA legend Dan Severin on our show a couple times. I, I don't know if you've ever met him or talked to him, but super nice guy. And he he uh, loves to break down his own methods of hurting people, <laughs> but while <laughs> still having a smile on his face. So uh, I'm, I'm sure if you ever wanted to do a uh, sports science special and have approximately 500 hours of material on locks and holes. Dan Severin would probably be the gold <laughs> guy. <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny about the, uh, you know, people are always like, Oh my God, you must know so much about fighting. Cause you started with fight science. So I remember fight science was 14, 14, 15 years ago. Um, when we did it and when we were getting into that arena of like all these different kinds of martial arts and, you know, which style generates the most force. I honestly, I, I can honestly say I knew very little. And I flew out to Las Vegas to go see the only name that I really recognized um, in, mar- in mixed martial arts at the time, a guy named Randy Couture. Mm, and I yes. went to his okay. gym and I just said, hey, Randy, you know, and Randy doesn't, doesn't know me from Adam. And I just said, hey, I'm making this TV show. It's going to be awesome. It's you know, going to talk about the science of, of mixed martial arts and how amazing it is. And I need somebody to be the ambassador to really – not only be, be an on-camera presence and explain it, but also just to help me through teaching me everything. And he's like, sure, this, that would be awesome. He and I have become really good friends. Right. Well, awesome. He really was the catalyst to my understanding of the fight game. Since then, I obviously have become very educated and followed it very mm-hmm. closely. But when we started out, I had to have somebody, and Randy was that guy. 
And also, uh, Randy Couture, Randy Couture was actually a guest on uh, the Brink of Midnight podcast as well. That's right. Yeah, you uh-huh. got to listen to his story because the moment, the moment that changed his life is amazing. Long story short, um, you know, he was on the on the track to be to. He really wanted to um, be in the Olympic trials for um, U.S. wrestling, and he was on that track. He ended up getting his girlfriend pregnant and he had to make a decision. Oh my God, do I leave my wrestling career or do I get a job? He ended up leaving his wrestling career. He said, you know what job I'm going to get? The only job I know that's steady where I'm not going to get laid off is the military. So I'm going to join the army. He was in Germany for a couple years and they had a wrestling tournament there that he didn't even know about. It wasn't like he knew, Oh, I'm going to go to Germany and be in this wrestling tournament. Just kind of popped up. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I wrestled and I was good at it. I'll just give it a go. He ended up winning the tournament. And by winning the tournament, he got automatic entry to the U.S. Olympic trials. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy. He's like, oh. I was right there. I was like right on the doorstep. I left it. And then two years later, I did the same place. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, fighting, what, what are your uh, thoughts on the Mayweather McGregor fight coming up next month? I, I mean, my honest thoughts are, it's it's couple one. Isn't it interesting that this will be the most profitable fight of all time and mm. nobody's fighting for anything. <laughs> it's just, yeah. there's a title on the line. There's yeah, no just nothing. Spectacle. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just, it's pure. It's a pure show. So. In my gut, I'm like, it's a show, and it's going to make a ton of money for a lot of people. So I can't imagine this is just a one-off. seems like whatever happens, they're going to want, want to do that or something like that again. Like, that's going to be the new game in town. It's like, hey, we're going to put together these fights. But in terms of how they stack up against each other, I know all the boxing pundits are just saying, you know, Mayweather's just much quicker, much faster, too elusive. Um, you know, McGregor's totally out of his game. I would just say, don't ever sell somebody short like Conor McGregor. At, at halftime at the Super Bowl, who thought the Falcons were going to lose? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're, right. It's, you know, it's like they've got the dominant defense, the dominant Don't count it out. So I don't think it's as foregone a conclusion as everybody is saying. I don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, there, there's only so many things that, that are must-see TV, and this is one of those. Yeah, that's the, uh, inter- that's the interesting thing about it is, um, you know, it's, it's a boxing match, and Conor McGregor is not a boxer at all, and a lot of people don't realize the striking from MMA to the striking techniques as such to boxing are vastly, vastly different. It's, it's, it's two completely different styles of fighting. So it'll be it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see it, because if, if on paper it's like oh it's a boxing match uh, so Mayweather should mop the floor with him right because <laughs> McGregor's stepping into <laughs> to Mayweather's territory right but Mayweather's also you know uh, you know in his in his forties you know semi retired I guess and Mayweather or and McGregor is a young guy who's super hungry so his unorthodox you know style of fighting might just uh, be enough to, to take Mayweather. It, and, that, and that's the thing. Like Mayweather has always been able to study tape, right, and say, well, this is this guy's tendency. It's like there's tons of tape on Mayweather, but there's no tape on McGregor. Yeah. 
afraid of, like, what does he do in a, in a, in a you know, boxing bout? You're like, I, I don't know. That's why this whole unknown is, you know, who knows? I mean, Ronda Rousey was invincible, right? Like, she was never going to lose. Right. She was going to mow through everybody. And then that certainly changed. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, um, we did the analysis on the amount of force behind the boxing oh, versus MMA glove, and, you know, what, what's actually happening. I mean, it's, the, the truth is, it's pretty even. And McGregor can throw just haymakers. Like, that's his, mm-hmm. I mean, he can punch really hard for a guy his size. So, you know, if he's able to land one or two of those blows, I'm not sure, McGregor, I mean, that, that's the big if, right? Because Floyd doesn't get hit. But if he does, you know, I don't, I, it, like, you could almost say on technical points, there's no way McGregor can win. But that doesn't mean he could land a shot or two that changes the game. Right, right. right, absolutely, um, John. I actually have to. I actually have to uh, step away for a moment or two. But uh, Dave, big fan of sports science, and I know he wanted to delve into uh, some things with you. And in case I don't make it back by the time you have to leave, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And uh, I'd actually love to talk fighting and such with you at a, at a future time. Great, sounds awesome. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, up. Okay, Brian. <laughs> I love when he puts you on I imagine Brian's going to the bathroom and he's <laughs> going to do something that that takes an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> actually at work right now. He got called away, and my microphone started being weird. <laughs> and by at work means yes, he's going to the bathroom probably. Okay, so we were talking about this, and I wasn't supposed to bring it up, but I'm going to. So there was a, uh, all right, there was a uh, a couple of our friends were having a Facebook fight. I guess about uh, talking about the difference between males and females in sports that are the same. Um, and they were talking, uh, it got brought up Venus will, or sorry, Serena Williams, you know, just coming off of pregnancy, uh, but still kind of a top of her game. Uh, it was stated that uh, would still get defeated by John McEnroe today. Uh, and we had some people agree and disagree with that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, here's what I would say. When you start, when you're comparing, um, you know, men versus women in sports, people always ask me, you know, who, which gender is the better athlete? I say it really depends on which sport we're talking about, which event, what the back history is. Yeah. Because sure. if you go into something like endurance events, women are superior. They burn, they, they have more, uh, a higher percentage of body fat. They burn it more efficiently. They have a higher threshold of pain. If you look at somebody like Pam Reed, who, you know, won bad water several times, you know, over, Anybody, right, including men. Mm-hmm. If you look at Diana Nyad, who was 63 when she swam from Cuba to Florida, the only person to do it without a shark cage. Like, you're talking about badass human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we start breaking it down and we go, well, who would win? John McEnroe, you know, one of the Williams sisters. I'm like, that's just such a speculative argument. You know, Serena hasn't had to play against men her whole life. So it's a completely unfair comparison. If you were to say, well, if she was playing against men every step along the way and there wasn't, there, there was, there wasn't even a female bracket, my, this is my honest belief. I think that if you hypothetically got rid of female sports altogether and just made it one big, giant, collected, um, you know, collective league of men and women, mm-hmm. okay. the answer to me of how many women would make it in the NBA, I believe, I believe that when you extrapolate it out, the answer is not zero. The answer is there's somebody, there's going to be a point guard who's super quick, who can handle the ball, who 
is a you know, great attribute to the team who can make it if they're playing with that competition the entire time. Hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, where a lot of people get hung up on this, you know, male versus female argument is they say, well, women, women could never play on the offensive line in football. I'm like, I could never play on the offensive line. 99.9% of all men could not play on the offensive line. So that's a silly analogy. But could a woman play professional baseball? You break down the reaction time that's needed in uh, you know, elite softball versus elite baseball. It's the same amount of time. Mm. They can get the bat around. And there's pre- if, if from the get-go, everyone was playing the same sport, I just think the answer is not zero. I don't know what the answer would be, but it's not zero. I like that. Because no one ever brings that into account the, like the level of competition or, or if you're playing against those you know you know if everybody's playing against each other the whole time it's a very interesting aspect of yeah. it and because i and i think it's very sport to sport too because you know brian made a comment throw him under the bus he's like you know serena williams wouldn't be ranked in the top like 700 and i was like well i think she'd be like top 25 against men like in tennis it's it's a it's an individual sport and uh it's not like a power it's agility and speed and reaction time and stuff. And I think those are kind of, they can be equalizers in a lot of cases. If you're down biological differences between yeah. men and women. Yeah. A few years back, we had Lexi Thompson in the lab. She's, you know, on the LPGA, she was the youngest uh, winner of an LPGA tour event. Mm. Um, and at the time, and this is, you know, probably five, six years ago, mm. she, in that tournament, she averaged 287 yards off the tee. At that exact same time, the number one male player in the world was Luke Donald, who averaged 286 off the tee. <laughs> so my question is always, why Why are we moving ladies' tees up so far? Yeah. Like, it's not, it <laughs> yeah, doesn't have to do, same. it has to do with efficiency of kinetic linking. And right. when you see how far they can actually hit a ball, everyone is saying, you know, it, the counter to that argument is, oh, they could never last. I'm like, their you know greens and regulations, their you know you know number of putts per round, pretty darn even. Yeah. And then they say, well, not everybody can drive at two eighty seven. Like not everybody on the tour drives at two eighty seven. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I I do like the point you brought up that maybe there should be more uh, mixed gender sports if, if people are really going to be into this. Uh, you know, who's if better? You, yeah. If you're really into it, if you have a son or a daughter, I mean, I have I have one of each, and then you look at when you just look at, uh, you know, girls' soccer, especially at the youth level, mm-hmm. you're like, it's just like the expectation for how good they should be is different yeah. than how good the boys should be. It just is. Like, but if you were to put them all together, the girls that really liked soccer and thrived in soccer, at least in the early ages especially, I mean, my, my little girl is nine. She's the fastest person in her school, in her, mm-hmm. in her class. Like, she's the fastest person. Now, is that going to... Is that going to hold up? No. At one point, it changes, but kind of let nature take, take its course. Hmm. You know, let natural selection occur. I was the fastest person in my entire school when I was in sixth grade. I got, not, I, I literally, that's the fastest I've been in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. like, natural selection came along, and, you know, I was, I was never big enough, strong enough, fast enough to really be great at anything. But I was really good when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we can all kind of say something like that. <laughs> We're really good at something yeah. in sixth grade. Um, well, I had something. Uh, 
So yeah, go ahead. I was curious, um, as as far as like you know, since, since you've been doing sports science and fight science, these types of shows, are there teams or organizations that like kind of approach you for your take on on the information that you come up with, and has it changed the way you view sports at all? Or is it just kind of an extra thing that uh, you you do on the side, but it doesn't really like you still use the eye test? Yeah, well, it, here's what I can say is that we we are very blessed to been in a position we definitely were in the right place at the right time because we sold the show in 2006. Mm. And when we were making the show in 2007, there wasn't a single like off the shelf sensor you could buy to measure, you know, data on athletic performance. Right, right. I mean, they're, they're really what we were fashioning together our own sensors. And as we have been going along, we're now in season 10. As we've been going along, it's interesting how, in 2006, when we sold it and, and making it in 2007, the term sports science wasn't even really embedded in the lexicon of athletics. Huh. It wasn't even really a term. So we feel that while obviously we didn't completely change sports, but we certainly have been along for the ride on the way that sports has evolved. So, you know, we have such a unique data set of, you know, we've done over 1,500 segments for ESPN alone. Mm. Um, you know, we're very fortunate that we won six Emmys and, you know, the, the industry has really responded to it. So, uh -huh. yeah, there are a lot of teams, coaches, general managers, players who are, you know, who obviously are very, very interested in what we have to say and, you know, what, um, you know, what we know about sports. Are you the reason exit velocity is such a big thing in Major League Baseball now? <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, baseball is just exploding with stats. Oh, really? Yeah. The trick, the trick, in, the trick today is that we're in this data explosion and there's so much information that's out there. The key is to be able to decipher what matters and what doesn't. Right. Um, just because you have sure. data, a lot of data is just data for data sake, but you're looking for, it's kind of like looking at, you know, finding a duck in a cloud. Like it's, it, you're, you might be making up some sort of correlation that does or does not exist. Right. Um, so the question is, is what matters, what numbers are meaningful? Um, and it really is putting them into a context. And that what I, that's what I certainly have been, um, become very adept at is saying, well, this number actually matters. Right. Which is like a whole nother job in itself. And like, yeah, whole nother, that's, I know it's crazy. Cause I, I've, I'm hesitant Sabermetrics, I understand, and all that stuff. I'm, I like baseball and football in my sports, and I understand the data, but I think sometimes it's used the wrong way, and sometimes the old school guys like refuse to adapt to it, and uh, it's always become a very interesting conversation. So it's nice. It's nice to be able to speak with someone that has been such an innovator in the field. I would say. Yeah. Well, I certainly appreciate it. I, I, that would be how I wrap it up. I'm not the host, so I'm not used to doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I believe all I'm gonna say is, you know, obviously keep watching sports science and you know subscribe and download the uh, the Brink of Midnight podcast. It's got amazing guests, and they all talk about the moments in life where everything changes. Absolutely, very John, cool, very cool. John Brinkus, thank you so much for coming on the Nothing Important Hotline. Sorry that our host had to bail on you, but I enjoy the chat. Cool. Hopefully, you can come on again. As did I, Brian. Yeah. Brian will talk fighting and wrestling and that stuff for hours and hours. So if you ever wanna come back on and talk more about that. That would be great. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was Jonathan Brinkus. 
the creator Very of sports cool. science and host of the Brink of Midnight podcast. And very cool. Brian obviously had to bail on us, but Jeff and I, I think, awkwardly pulled through. <laughs> At best. <laughs> but no, it was very cool for him to uh, sit and hang out and give us his, his insights, um, yeah, especially given the, how long he's been doing that and mm. uh, all of the other pieces that you know, the background he has in it. Yeah. Well, it was it was really fun to talk to and, and hear just his view on those things. Yeah. You never get to hear that, really. Exactly. And it was cool. For one, I think Brian was probably more right about his answer to the Serena Williams thing. He was very PC about it, but a different spin on things. And uh, I didn't realize that maybe possibly his show was kind of a, um, his show kind of created a need for more sensors and more ways of accruing data in an athletic environment. Yeah, it wasn't all just, uh, you know, like, oh, the gear's there. Let's just use it. It was like, no. We got to do this. We need to find out how to capture it. So it's like right, exactly. It wasn't everyone just didn't turn all Moneyball on right. on a dime. Uh, but yeah, he uh, helped create the way that sports statistics and, and probably helped create statistics. You know, yeah. were never around before uh, just because of that. With uh, his his group, his show, um, is his idea. So very cool, innovator. Yeah, very. Uh, some would say that's what I was trying. I guess what I was trying to express in the interview was. Some would say what he does is unnecessary. Some people don't like probably what he does because they want to use the eye test and they're old school, but it's a new generation. Things change and statistics and data are becoming a big part of our sporting culture. Data is everything, man. Data is everything. But it's how you use the data. It is how you use the data because a guy can hit a ball 500 feet, but if you can't hit a curveball, that data don't mean shit. Yep. Pedro Serrano. (laughs) <laughs> very nice so uh yeah thanks for everybody for hanging out um so join us obviously follow us on twitter nothing important podcast uh also we have not important pc is the twitter handle not important pc sorry not important pc on twitter <clears throat> um it, we have it's all good man which is in a little bit of hiatus right now uh since the show is over but you can listen to all those back episodes if you go to uh, your iTunes, Stitcher, any of those places where we are all located on, and then starting back up here very soon, uh, within a week or so, uh, because the new season of Rick and Morty starts on the 30th of July, uh, Plumbus Among Us with myself and Brian, uh, where we will watch the episode and review it, uh, talk through it, just uh, very similar to Better Call Saul. So follow us on Twitter, uh, send us reviews, send us emails. You know, all that kind of garbage that everyone asks you to do all the time about their podcast. Exactly. And Dave, I can stop recording now. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to follow Nothing Important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter at NotImportantPC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing Important is recorded with help from Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome.